Our gospel for this evening comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 11. It is the story of the raising of Lazarus. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went out to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his faith wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The year was 2002, and I was a pastoral intern in the process of completing my final requirements for ordination. One of the last steps in that process was to write a series of essays responding to theological and practical questions and to write a sermon. It being 2002, the sermon prompt for that year 
was to write a sermon for the Sunday after September 11th, 2001, using the lectionary readings for that day. At that time, it was not hard to conjure where I had been on 9-11, which was actually in Philly, how I felt the days after and going to church that Sunday, longing for a word of hope and comfort. The sermon I wrote sadly is lost to history, save somewhere on a long-lost three-and-a-half-inch floppy disk. But I imagine that the purpose of asking us to write a sermon for that particular Sunday was that it was one of the hardest things that you could have ever imagined preaching about. The loss of life, the shock, a world turned upside down, new global threats, and the grief not only for the loss of life, but in so many ways, a loss of innocence. It was a good test for aspiring preachers. But how does one preach? What does one say when we experience for days on end multiple 9-11s? How does one comprehend what more than 515,000 deaths mean, in addition to the number of illnesses and the toll that it's taken on our healthcare workers and the loss of work and disruption of schools and how our lives and the world have all changed before us. To try to provide some context, some frame, some scale, we will soon surpass the number of American deaths, 522,000, in World War I and World War II combined. And yet this is not a conflict with a human enemy, but a virus, a disease. And those wars took place over years, whereas this has just been one, just one, very long and very hard year. We have not yet as a society begun to come to terms with what we have experienced together. We are holding, as I have said before, a lot of deferred grief, and understandably so as we try to make our way safely through each day to focus on the tasks right in front of us to get vaccinated and to keep moving forward. We also have been robbed of our traditional opportunities to process our grief, to discuss it with others in groups, to comfort and console one another. We haven't been able to gather for proper funerals or memorial services in order to share the burdens of our grief. And so perhaps it is more accurate to say that our grief has been stunted by our circumstances and because of the way that those who grieve have had to silently bear it away. And so we are hosting this service tonight to recognize the one-year milestone of when COVID reached us. As you might remember, everything shut down on March 12th last year. And to acknowledge our grief and to begin to process that grief, which undoubtedly will take us quite some time. In our gospel lesson tonight, we hear the story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. But before he is raised, we bear witness to his sister's grief. As Jesus arrives in Bethany, Martha goes out to meet him and says, If you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I still trust in you. And then she goes and gets her sister Mary, who is being consoled at home, and Mary comes to meet Jesus, and she says the same thing. They, as we are sometimes wont to do, 
express their grief as anger at God. When Jesus sees Mary weeping, he begins to weep, and he is greatly disturbed in his spirit and deeply moved. And they stand outside of Lazarus' tomb, crying together. Notice here that Jesus did not get upset with Mary and Martha for questioning where he had been, but he shared in their grief. He stepped into their suffering and cried with them. Our God is one who cries with us, who wails with us, who gets red puffy eyes with us, who has known suffering, ours and his own, and refused to rush through it. And we here tonight acknowledge our personal, communal, and congregational loss. We stand at the tomb and weep together with Jesus at our side. You know, the theme of grief is actually having a very important moment around the globe, uh, but in a very unexpected way. At this moment, the most popular TV show in the world is a show by Marvel Studios called WandaVision on Disney+. And don't worry, I'm not going to drop any spoilers. Just to say that while it is a show featuring superheroes, the entire show is, in fact, a meditation on grief. The main character, Wanda Maximoff, one of the Avengers, uh, prior to this show, lost her parents, lost her twin brother, and lost her partner. And the show plums the depths of that loss and grief and reflects on how we react and respond to grief and how it shapes us. A superhero show of all things is helping people in this COVID time come to terms with their grief. And the best, most profound line of the whole season thus far is this. What is grief if not love persevering? What is grief if not love persevering? The director of WandaVision said, this is a story about love. It's about loss. It's about grief. It's about how we move on from loss, something we know too much about in general, but especially this year in the pandemic. And another commentator observed this. Whether it's a window that closes whether it's a window that slowly closes or a forest that you can't find your way out of, grief is almost always portrayed as a state of being that one must escape. Grief is pain, but with enough time and support from others, you can leave that pain behind. But this quote offers a different path, however. Grief is not a consequence of loss, but rather your love living on, persevering. It is meant to help us embrace our grief rather than try to run from it or wait for it to pass. What is grief if not love persevering? That's what we see in the show, WandaVision. That's what we see in our gospel. For Mary and Martha and Jesus and the villagers of Bethany, their grief, their tears, was their love persevering in the face of death. And then they experience together love's ultimate victory over death with the resurrection of Lazarus, which prefigures Jesus' own resurrection, the source of our hope and new life. Our grief, whether from COVID or other kinds of loss, 
is love persevering. For our grief is a testament to the love that we had and have for those we have lost. And it is that same love that carries us forward. And as the Bible says, this love never fails. So tonight in the spirit of love and acknowledgement of our grief, we will read the names of loved ones that you have shared with us and toll the bells in their honor and memory. We will also be hosting a Zoom gathering for support after the service if you would like to join us. And one of the other things that we have done to commemorate this time is plant a new dogwood tree here at the church next to the pathway that connects the gazebo and the outdoor chapel. It was planted just today, and it already has little buds on the ends of its branches. This dogwood flowers in the spring and produces berries in the fall. And at the base of the tree, there will be a stone inscribed with the words, in memory of the friends, family members, and loved ones we have lost to the COVID pandemic. Even at the grave, we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, which is just what Mary and Martha and Jesus did. And we will be asking the kids from church to paint rocks, which we will place around the base of the tree to remember, to honor, to acknowledge, and to heal. I hope this tree will be a reminder to us of how life springs forth even from death, of how love and life persevere. And so wherever you are this evening, however you are joining us, know that we love you. Know that we are holding you in prayer. And that the God who grieves and cries with us, the God who raises us to new life, the God who is always bringing life out of death and hope out of despair, holds you in the palm of his hand. Amen.